0: Welcome to the latest Daily Wager Extra podcast. We wrap up week 18 and look ahead to the first round of the NFL postseason. I am Doug Kazarian. We'll be joined momentarily with ESPN researcher Mackenzie Kramer. So wild ending, including last night. We'll get into all that. Look ahead to the playoffs, but we'll also put a bow on the season and, uh, attack some numbers and uh, recap the season because I know McKenzie does a great job and let's bring in Mac Daddy. McKenzie, uh, good to be with you this morning. How, uh, how about last night with the Chargers Raiders scenario playing out in overtime and the, the mayhem and all the books were very liable on overtime propositions because everyone knew the scenario uh, going into the Sunday night game.
1: We've had so many Sundays this year where we leave the day thinking, you know, this wasn't a great NFL slate. The games were not overly exciting. We didn't have a great primetime game. But this this Raiders Chargers game, this was the game of the year, in my opinion, given all the strategy that went involved in the game in terms of the tie. So just to recap, the Raiders and Chargers had that game ended in a tie. Both of those teams would have made the playoffs. Had either team won or lost that game, the winner would have made the playoffs and the loser would have been out. So as a result, most of Twitter, most of the Internet was all all rooting for a tie in this game just because it would have been a lot of fu- a lot of fun to see that strategy down the stretch. And it certainly played out. And the sports books, as you mentioned, had a major liability on this game. Several sports had a seven figure liability on a tie. I know David Purdom had an article on Espn.com on our ESPN chalk page talking about some some odds makers who were worried about their jobs if this game had a tie because you know you're you're not expected you're not supposed to lose seven figures on an NFL game but just to put some more context the tie odds at Borgata went from 50 to 1 to 11 to 1 i saw Circa had about 12 to 1 a couple hours before kickoff there were some people had a jags money line tie parlay which would have paid 713 to one at one book. I know a couple of my friends had that ties. They were pretty tilted uh, the way that Raiders chargers game ended, but it was so fascinating to watch the strategy down that stretch. I think one thing that the, uh, that uh, the broadcast didn't make a big enough deal about was the Raiders actually did have motivation to score down the stretch. Now the chargers were in the playoffs either way, either way they would have faced Buffalo, but Las Vegas winning that game gets them to avoid the chiefs in the first round of the playoffs. Now they go on the road and face the Bengals next week, instead of Kansas city, Kansas city had already destroyed the Raiders twice this year. So yes, while the Raiders were in the playoffs with a tie, the win actually does benefit the Raiders, which I thought was another interesting wrinkle to the strategy, but it was, it was so intriguing to watch that game on the stretch. I know a lot of people are upset about Brandon Staley calling timeout down the stretch, That, to me, meant absolutely nothing. It didn't really affect the Raiders' strategy at all. What affected the Raiders' strategy was the Chargers couldn't stop the run, and when the Raiders get in field goal range and they have a chance to avoid the Chiefs in the first round, they took that opportunity and they made it. So Raiders are in, Chargers are out, and uh, an unbelievable game on Sunday night. Yeah, the
0: criticism of the Raiders going for it, well, what if it's a blocked field goal? Well, the end game is not to make the playoffs. The end game is to make a run, and at that point, the chances of a blocked field goal scoop and score for a touchdown – so small when you factor in the difference of opponents as well. And so I thought it was the right move. I actually was live betting like minus 350 when they were at midfield because I knew they were going to bleed the clock because it ties a win. It gets you in the playoffs. Now, once you get in the field goal range, I just uh, – I thought the Raiders played it perfectly. The timeout, there wasn't a huge discrepancy between shot uh, – not shot, play clock and game clock. I thought it was the the, the run that did the, made the difference, the, the big run by Jacobs to get the first down. And then, but the fourth down conversions for the Chargers left and right, Herbert, the as time expired, touchdown pass, just remarkable and uh, thrilling finish. Thrilling finish. So, the uh, Raiders get the outright upset win and cover. There was you mentioned the Jaguars. Obviously, that was a huge story. I, I thought the fifteen and a half was a joke. I, I thought that was way too many points. Um, I didn't think the Jags would win, but then against the Bengals, excuse me, then against the Colts and Jags, which the Colts always struggle there, and it's Carson Wentz. So you never know. Well, we um, talked about
1: that game with the Jaguars and Colts, about how that line moved so much off the look ahead line. The look ahead line when that was eight and a half, it moved to 15 and a half. It closed at 14. But the big reason why was people thought the Colts would be more motivated to win. But motivation does not necessarily mean you're more likely to cover a spread. In fact, in some ways, it could make a team tighter. And as we saw with this game, the Colts couldn't get anything going offensively in that game. Season low, 11 points, 233 yards. And the Jaguars have now pulled off two, two upsets this season as 14-point dogs. Also beat the Bills earlier this year. They're the fourth team in the Super Bowl era to win two games in the season as 14-point underdogs. The Colts, a couple weeks ago, were minus 3,000 to make the playoffs. They are 1,300 to miss the playoffs. So uh, some big tickets there if you were failing, fading the Colts a few weeks ago. But who could have thought the Colts would miss the playoffs facing the Raiders and the Jaguars on the stretch?
0: Yeah, Raiders at home at the Jags. So remarkable swing there. In general, how did home teams do? How did favorites do for this week eighteen?
1: So uh, home teams went nine and seven against the spread this week. Uh, last week they had the best week in the Super Bowl era for home teams. So home teams closed the stretch, closed the season on a pretty good, uh, good run for the season. Home teams cover forty eight percent of the year. So road teams have been the story for pretty much the entire year. But down the stretch, it kind of it's starting to regress toward the mean again. Forty eight percent. For home teams in the season. Dogs went 10 and 6 this week, 140, 126, and 3 against the spread on the season. That's 52.6%. So, underdogs and road teams end the season both profitable, though not as profitable as they were a few weeks ago. And overs this week, 11 and 5, one of the best weeks of the season for overs. Overs finished the season uh, hitting at a 46.5% rate. rate. So, unders still were the name of the day of the season, but uh, overs hit 11 and 5 this week. All right, yeah,
0: points down the stretch uh, in some of these games. Let's talk about uh, some of the, the wild games. I, I'll start with Packers-Lions. That was a thrilling game, and we knew the Rodgers and company would start. There was The first half line was actually higher than the game line, so that was kind of fun just because it was a f- shades of preseason football, but that's ended up what happened. Jordan Love replaced Rodgers, and uh, Lions came to play. Look, I like this team a lot. They were a lot of fun. I started the year hating them because they had the Niners against them, and they backdoor covered like no other with onside kicks. <laughs> But Dan Campbell and this team played to the very end, a lot of covers and they were a fun team to root for. You had trick plays. You had all sorts of wildness yesterday and really during the season,
1: but uh, kudos to the Lions and get the W as well. Lions three thirteen and one outright this year, getting the number two pick in the draft, which they could have gotten the number one pick with a loss, but 11 and six against the spread, which is crazy that a team with that many losses can cover that many games. In fact, The 11 uh, covers is the most by any team that had at least 12 losses in the regular season, in the Super Bowl era. They were 10 and three ATS when getting at least four points, which is what the closing line in this one was, though. Like you said, uh, uh, the the full game line and the halftime line were very different in this one. Um, Aaron Rodgers MVP campaign concludes with trailing at halftime to the Lions and nearly having Jordan Love uh, leading a comeback in that one. Uh, Rodgers minus 500 with an MVP. Brady plus 400 at DraftKings. I don't see odds right now at Caesars. Packers dropped to 12-5 and five ATS. But like you said, the story in this one is the Lions being one of the worst teams in the NFL uh, it, to, in terms of actually winning games. But in terms of co- co- covering the number, they come through again this week.
0: Yeah, it was a wild game. Even Jordan Love looked better than he did against the Chiefs. I so was good to see just in terms of his development. It's a very uh, quarterback-friendly offense. And so it was good to see him um, you know, get some things going there. Uh, some of the great finishes, like the Niners were down 17 nothing, come back, beat the Rams. They get into the playoffs accordingly, but a wild ending there. That one was also in overtime, much like the Sunday night games. We, we really went back-to-back back in terms of the, the chronological order at the end of, at the end of your football-watching day, so a lot of exciting finishes. And um, what, what can you tell us about that game? I know it's McVeigh has lost six straight to the Niners, Shanahan again in the underdog role.
1: Yeah. Niners won six straight over the Rams or under they were underdogs in four of those games. So another outright win for the Niners is a dog in that spot. The Rams would have been a two seed with a win. They slipped to a four seed, but they still win the division. Thanks to Arizona losing to Seattle as a favorite. The Rams were plus 800 to win that division entering week 14 when they beat Arizona. that week. I got them at that. We talked about it on the show, so I actually bet some on that. There you go. Yeah, we had a. The division long shots didn't really come through this year unless you got them in season because the the only non chalk team to win this division this year was the Bengals that were twenty five to one preseason. Outside of that, the favorite won every other all seven of the other eight divisions all went to the preseason favorite, but. Niners trailed 17-0 in this one, their largest comeback win in, in a decade. It was, it's the largest comeback in a season finale by any team to clinch a playoff berth since 1993 when the Raiders did it. That was also in a Week 18, by the way. It's the, the only other time there had been a Week 18 in uh, NFL history before this week. And I, and we can finally retire the Sean McVay stat. Sean McVay finally loses a game after leading at halftime, now wow. 45-1 and in his career, uh, including the playoffs. Cooper Cup does not get the 2,000 yards, does not get the receptions or receiving yards record, finishes second on both those categories. But uh, so his MVP case, which was a long shot, just like Jonathan Taylor's, both of those are out the window. But a great win for the Niners, the his playoff spot there, and the Rams back into the NFC West title. Yeah, they really
0: did. And that was a huge for me because I did some hedge bets on the Niners plus the points trying to thread the needle, and I, and I got the Arizona outright loss. So that was Favorable in that regard. You mentioned the MVP run, and you know, look, Taylor and those guys, I mean, team performance certainly helps. Um, and they just didn't deliver. And obviously, a milestone would have been huge, right? To have one of those. If you can get offensive player of the year, I, it was minus 110 a piece going into the weekend. I think Cup should be higher percentage. But I did bet uh, Cup at minus 110. I didn't think Taylor would get to the necessary 2,000 mark. And Cup's been sort of the talk of the town with fantasy players. Up. I think Cup gets the offensive player of the year. So if it's still around minus 110 when it reposts, I don't see it up at, at, um, at DraftKings. But uh, keep that in mind if you are into the wards betting like I am. I think there's good value there at Cup. I think he gets it over Taylor. That's just my two cents. It's not like I have any um, pipeline to voters like when we brought in people during the NBA
1: Your
0: happy price, price line. All right, uh, other games that stand out. I'm trying to think the, the playoff implications of some of these other games. Bills barely cover the, the huge number. They outscore the Jets 14-3 to in the second half, 14-0 in the fourth quarter. So that got there because the Jets were hanging around. I did like the Jets and the points. But, uh, but th- that's sort of what the Bills have done. They covered late against Miami miraculously. So that game sort of went according to plan.
1: I wanted to bet the over on this game just because I've been betting the Jets overs a lot recently just because I don't trust their defense and their offense is playing better down the stretch. But the Jets are just so injured offensively that they couldn't move the ball all game. They finished with 53 yards, the fewest in a single game in franchise history, one for 14 on third down, gave up nine sacks in that game. I was actually live betting Buffalo that entire game just because if you watch that game, the Jets had no hope of moving the ball the entire game now. The Jets' defense did a very good job against the Bills, forcing a lot of three and outs and short drives in the second half. But you can kind of tell it was just a matter of time until Buffalo got their act together and uh, and put that game away, getting the 17-point win, getting the cover in that game. And the Bills, second straight division title, 11th win this season, pushing on their season win total for the season.
0: Okay, uh, another game of playoff implications. The Patriots lose to the Dolphins, but the Pats back into They had a wide range of seed, anywhere from like 2 to 7, I want to say. But the Dolphins wire to wires underdogs outright winners. Brian Flores surprisingly fired today, but the story in terms from a betting perspective is that the Dolphins won outright as an underdog.
1: And Brian Flores finishes his Dolphins career four and two against Belichick with three straight wins. Tua Tagovailoa three and zero against Bill Belichick, so probably nothing predictive to that. But that's a, an interesting stat there. Um, Mac Jones was uh, had been passed in the rookie of the year race by Jamar Chase. He threw a pick six on his first pass of the day, his third pick six of the season ended up with decent numbers, but losing that game when they could have, uh, I mean, it didn't end up mattering all that much, but, uh, probably not enough to leapfrog Jamar chase for rookie of the year. Patriots have lost three out of four, not looking so great down the stretch, but, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty surprised that Brian Flores got fired too. I thought he did a pretty decent job in Miami. They did a really nice job down the stretch. Obviously a really slow start to the season, but, uh, but Flores out in Miami, like you said, despite being 4-2 and two against Bill Belichick.
0: Yeah, no, it just everything was surprising about that game. But let's get into the, um, the, the outcomes of the other games. So Titans beat the Texans. They hang on. They had to win, and you're the one seed. If not, the Chiefs get there because the Chiefs w- came back and won a huge scooping score on Saturday night. So the Titans got a little hairy there down the stretch, but kudos to them. They are the one seed. They get the bye. They'll get Derrick Henry back, but the Texans get the cover, and they were frisky down the stretch as well.
1: Yeah, they're, they're up 21-0 in this game, but uh, Houston came back, got the cover, losing only by three points. Seemed like anytime Tennessee want to put that game away. Houston was right back. Uh, Danny Amendola had a pretty big game, and you're right. The Titans now the one seed in the AFC. They are plus 850 to win the, the Super Bowl. They're the fifth shortest outs there. They are the third favorites in the AFC behind the, chief, the Chiefs and the Bills. So Vegas not totally buying into Tennessee, and Quite frankly, the way they played down the stretch, it's hard to really buy into them, but that's also why I've been banging the drum for Mike Vrabel coach of the year for so long that this Titans team has lost so many guys to injury this year. They've been so beat up all year and them getting the one seed is is really, really surprising given what their team actually looks like on paper right now, but come playoff time. They might be. They're, they're probably gonna be the healthiest they've been in a long time. Derek Henry expected back. They already have AJ Brown, Julio Jones back. So the game might be back together in Tennessee. So they'll be a really interesting team to watch come playoff time. Okay. Um.
0: Yeah, I, I like the Vrabel odds too. I got to see what the coach, the DraftKings hasn't posted it. They only have MVP odds and Rodgers went over. Um. So I will go uh, Rogers. By the way, minus five hundred. How do you feel about the MVP now? I bet some four dollars last week. I know I missed the one seventy the week before. I got a little bit of it, but not really. Um, I got the mostly most of my positions minus four hundred. I'm um, just trying to make up all my Mahomes bets and some jo- and Jonathan Taylor. But I um I uh I, I think I went lay five dollars because I thought Brady played really well. But and there's enough narrative out there. But I think Rodgers ultimately gets it.
1: I agree. I think I mean, the narrative right now is all toward Aaron Rodgers, and that's it's such a narrative award. I mean, statistically, their total QBRs are basically identical. Rodgers with a very slight edge there, 68.8 to 68.5. Brady has more passing yards, more passing touchdowns. He has about 180 more attempts. Which is part of the reason he has more of the counting stats, but to me, that's part of the MVP candidacy right there. Is that they've leaned on Brady more than the Packers had to lean on Aaron Rodgers. Now, granted, it's hard to it's hard to dispute Aaron Rodgers because he's been so efficient this year. But to me, it's it should be a closer race than minus five hundred plus four hundred. And I thought that the. Uh, the vaccine stuff and the, and the misleading the media might hurt Aaron Rodgers a little bit more than it has. We saw the one writer come out uh, with Pro Football Weekly saying he's not going to vote for Aaron Rodgers because he's a jerk. Uh, maybe there's a couple more writers that feel that way that aren't making it public. But either way, it's hard to see Rodgers not winning that award right now. I, I don't think I'd lay the minus 500, even though I have a, a bunch of Tom Brady tickets at like six to one, seven to one. But uh, I think I'm just going to chalk that up to his lost cause right there.
0: All right, speaking of Brady, the Bucs were down most of the first half then got a touchdown very late, took a lead into halftime 10-7, and then smoked Carolina in the second half. 41-17, your final. Bucks get the cover. This line had some movement, too. I thought it should have been higher when it op- reposted eight and a half. But Brady, uh, 326, three touchdowns, no picks. Certainly made a good case, and he's you know leads the league in passing yards, leads the league in passing touchdowns. And uh, the Bucks do not get the one seed, though, because they lost a couple weeks ago to the Saints, where they got shut out, I believe, 9 nothing. Um, yep. but this game, uh, Panthers just feeble, even, you know, obviously they showed some little bit more signs of life when Sam Darnold replaced Cam Newton, but still another, uh, Panthers ATS loss.
1: Yeah. Panthers actually fought in this one. It was a seven point game in the fourth quarter before Tampa Bay scored three touchdowns, in the final eight minutes to make that game look like more of a blowout than it actually was. Uh, you mentioned Carolina struggling down the stretch. They finished the year on a seven-game losing streak, both outright and against the spread. They finished the year five and twelve against the number, tied with Jacksonville for the worst in the NFL. Remember, they started three and zero against the spread and outright. So they were early in the year. They looked like a, a surprise team. Sam Donald was getting a lot of hype that he was doing a lot better away from the Jets, but that complete that completely fell apart for Carolina. Uh, Tampa Bay closes as an eleven-point favorite, I believe. It was 16 and a half in the headline headline. It reopened at eight. It was single digits most of the week, and then it moved up closer to game time. Tampa Bay, it's the 10th time this season they've been a double-digit favorite, most since the 2007 Patriots, and uh, they're nine and a half point favorites over the Eagles in the, in, the, in the wild card rounds. They might even get an 11th game this year as a double-digit favorite. So uh, Tampa Bay, 41-17, and their 13th win of the year, going over their season win total and setting a new franchise record.
0: Let's go to the AFC. Browns and Bengals. So this line uh, steamed the other way. We had a change in favorite when Joe Burrow announced. Not not according to anyone. According to Joe Burrow, he was out for the game, then no mix-in. So the Browns, even without Baker Mayfield, Case Keenum replacing him, went off as favorites. And depending on what line you got, it depended, depended on because it got steamed up pretty high to six and a half, and they won by five. But there were some threes early in the week. I believe Browns were favored. Actually, Bengals were favored early in the week by three. But... um. The Browns get the outright win at the dog pound. The dog wins at the dog pound.
1: Yeah, that, you're right. That that line moved a lot right there. Um, but again, that game didn't mean anything for either team. Brendan Allen getting the start for Cincinnati. Case Keenum now two and zero outright as a starter with Cleveland. Uh, Baker Mayfield had it been six and nine, but you know how, how much can you really take about a five point win over the Bengals with Brendan Allen at quarterback. Jamar Chase set the single-season Bengals receiving record Then immediately left the game. He's he's likely favored for Rookie of the Year, though uh, I don't see those odds up anywhere right now. Don't have a whole lot in this game. Kind of a boring game with uh, a couple of backup quarterbacks and a meaningless game for the Bengals and the Browns just playing out the string.
0: Okay. I mean, but all tickets cash the same. Speaking of which, I was on Washington as my best bet on daily wager at six and a half. Got bet down to five and a half at some place I couldn't understand. Now, I know it was a low-scoring game, and... But the Giants were just inept. Jacob Fromm did have one touchdown drive, but the Washington answered after that to make it back, put it back to a two-score game. Washington wins twenty-two to seven. Game stays under the total, and Washington gets the
1: cover. Week eighteen provides so many different live betting opportunities. We talked about the Lions-Packers game earlier with Aaron Rodgers leaving the game. The Cowboys-Eagles game on Saturday when people thought the Cowboys would pull their starters and never did. This Was a game where if you just watch this game, like the Giants had no interest in scoring points in this one. None, nothing encapsulated that more than the <laughs> third and nine quarterback sneak from your own two-yard line to I guess give it your punter an extra yard or two to of, of separation to punt. It, the Giants just had no interest in winning this game. You even last week, they I think the second quarter they ran the ball virtually every play of the second quarter just because they had no faith in Mike Lennon and they had more faith in Mike Lennon than they have in Jake Fromm so that, that says a lot right there. Washington easily gets the cover here 22 to 7. I took Washington second half in this one just because I didn't think the Giants would score. They actually did score a touchdown in the fourth quarter in this one, but Washington still cruised uh, to a 22 to 7 win. Giants ever since Daniel Jones got hurt they go 0 6 against the spread in their last 6 games without Jones and they've gone over the to- under the total in nine of the last 11 games and as of recording we still are waiting for the for uh the status on Joe Judge uh, for next year?
0: Oh gosh, just a circus right now on Twitter as we're taping this. Let's go to Ravens Steelers fun game bet. This line kept getting bet down, closed at three, and the Steelers get the outright upset that improved their play that got them into the playoffs ultimately. And uh, Big Ben moves on. But this, uh, I was on the Ravens here. i was surprised that the offense sputtered as much as it did. But another Steelers Ravens game, low scoring, came down
1: down to the wire and a three point margin of victory. And this was another game where entering the week, you know, Steelers, Ravens, whatever, both teams are going to be out when the Jaguars lose. But when the Jaguars win, all of a sudden this became a massive, massive playoff game. And in fact, I was even paying attention to the Sunday night lines between the Raiders and the Chargers where had the um, when the Ravens looked like they were going to win, the Chargers moved to minus four, minus four and a half just because the Raiders would would have had no motivation in that one. Then the Steelers get up, end up getting the win. So the line moved back to three. So that was pretty fascinating just to watch the line moving based on that motivation. Um, and this was another game that the tie uh, the tie scenario came in uh, was sure. very important to consider. Uh, we talked about the Sunday night game with the Raiders and Chargers, obviously. The 49ers and Rams were in a kind of a similar situation to that, whereas if that game ended in a tie, both teams would have made the playoffs. This was the opposite scenario where both teams, if that game ended in a tie, both teams would have been eliminated. So I was a little surprised that the Steelers were playing kind of slowly in overtime. You figure that you'd want to save every possible second in overtime just in case uh, you don't score in that drive. But the Steelers end up getting the win anyway. Go over their win total of eight and a half. Ravens finished the year in a six-game losing streak after an eight and three start. Uh Steelers getting 12 and a half right now to the Chiefs in uh, the wild card round. Steelers have scored a total of 22 points in the first half in their last seven games. They start slow every single week and I, I just don't see how you can possibly take the Steelers in that spot even though Big Ben has never been that big of an underdog in his career as he will be on on uh, this weekend against the Chiefs.
0: Yeah, I don't really care about uh history on some of these um some of the, like, oh, Big Ben, biggest dog he's ever been, because he's just not the same quarterback he was. I mean, it's good historical perspective, and I'm glad you said it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not jumping up yeah. In terms of a predictive measure, I'm saying. Oh, 100%. Uh, so it's great context and good good fun facts and good way to put things. But, like, like this, I love that Jags that twice, you know, 14-plus underdog. That's awesome. I, I just I don't know if the Chiefs have enough firepower, and I know that sounds crazy because they're all about firepower, but I do like the Steelers, actually, to cover this game. I know they were completely undressed a few weeks ago at Arrowhead, but I don't know, man. I, there's something off with of this Chiefs. We'll get into those lines real quick. I just want to put a bow on Week 18. Vikings get the two-touchdown win. Bears were leading comfortably early. Not comfortably, but you know, a couple scores. And then they come back and win. Um, both their head coaches are out today on this Monday. That game went over the total as well. And then Saints-Falcons. I know there was a public dog on the Falcons. Saints came to play. They had playoff uh, potential. That's why they were a more incentivized, and they delivered. And that defense certainly got to the statue.
1: That is Matt Ryan. Yeah, the Falcons finished the year 0-7 ATS in games in Atlanta. Uh, Every time the Falcons played a a team that's above their level, they seem to struggle when they face bad teams. That's when they tend to do well. But again, in their home games this year, they did not cover a single game in Atlanta. They did cover a home game in London against the Jets, but uh, obviously we're not going to count that as a home cover for them, even though it officially is. Taysom Hill got injured in the game, but he improves to 7-2 and two against the spread in his career. Saints are 35-14 ATS on the road since 2016. They could have made the playoffs if the Niners lost, but the Niners, like we mentioned earlier, came back from that 17-0 yep. deficit to beat the Rams to uh, eliminate the Saints in that one.
0: And that does it, I think, for our Week 18 recap. Let's look ahead to the playoffs. You mentioned Titans are the fifth shortest odds in the futures market. I It makes sense. Look, let's just before anyone jumps on oddsmakers, they're going to be underdogs if they face the Bills or Chiefs, even though they're going to be at home, and that's factored into the combined probability of winning the Super Bowl and stuff like that. So that's why it's part of the equation. It's not like oddsmakers just hate the Titans, but that's where we stand. So the Packers are your favorite, about four to one consensus. Chiefs, about five to one. And then it goes Bills, Bucks, Titans. The Bucks are obviously shorthanded, but we we saw Miller get a lot of uh, uh, targets yesterday. And I just... I'll tell you who I'm not betting on is the Rams. I just don't believe in this team. Consistency is their issue. They cannot put together four quarters. And if they do, the next game, they don't put together four quarters. So for them to have to win three games just to get to the Super Bowl, I just don't think – I mean, their highs are high. But I actually like the Cowboys at 12-1. to I think if I was going to make a futures bet, I would play the Cowboys at 12-1. to
1: Honestly, I think I agree with you. The Cowboys have been a team that's had my eye for a couple weeks now. Their offense, when they're at full strength, is – you know that they have that passing game with uh, Cooper and and CD Lamb. They have one of the better offensive lines in the league. They have Zeke and Tony Pollard in the backfield when Tony Pollard is healthy. Obviously, Gallup tore his ACL, so he's done for the year. In that defense, on the other side of the ball, they they make a lot of turnovers. and They make a lot of big plays in the backfield. So they're they have a disruptive defense and a big play offense. So I think that they they have as good a chance as anybody in the NFC to win it all. I'm not overly impressed with the Packers. I'm not overly impressed with the Buccaneers. Obviously I'll take their chances over Dallas, but at 12 to one, I think that number is pretty fair. Yeah. I like how you put that disruptive defense. That's how that's a probably spot on
0: definition. I will say this. They just play devil's advocate. They crushed, they beat up on the NFC East outside the division. Not so much. Does that concern you at all?
1: Uh, A little bit for sure. But uh, you know, one sign of a good team typically is, do you beat up on the bad teams? And that's that's like I know that's one reason why why a lot of the advanced metrics have been higher on the bills than a lot of other people are, because when the bills play these terrible teams, they tend to blow them out. They, I mean, it took them a while against the Jets this week, but I, I just I just look at the Cowboys. I mean, yes, they're 12 to once. So they're a bit of a long shot to actually win it all. But I mean, if you, they have all the pieces, they have the quarterback, they have the defense. The only thing the other thing that I worry about, too, is do they have the coach? Because I don't really trust Mike McCarthy in these spots either. But, uh, but they have the coordinators. That's they do. The other. The, absolutely. And, and they, they played that interesting game on Saturday because they clearly felt that beating the Eagles backups would give them some momentum entering the playoffs. So we'll see if that actually plays true for them.
0: Um, I'm trying to look at the futures market. What surprises me the most, um, I guess the Niners being twenty-five to one, but they have to go on the road. They're not very; their power rating is not that high. I would say them and the Cardinals twenty-two to one, but Arizona's what one win the lad down the stretch here, and that was against the Cowboys. Um, Patriots twenty to one—that feels low. I think it should be like 30, 35 to one, but it is
1: Bill Belichick, so I understand that. Yeah, I guess Cincinnati might be the only other team I would look at at eighteen to one. I'm not a big; I'm not. I don't really trust the Bengals, but they have an easy first game matchup. You, you would think against the Raiders, so they're six and a half point favorites in that one. So if they get by that, then. They basically need to win two more games to make this, the Super Bowl. So with Joe Burrow on that offense t- uh, clicking right now, the defense has played pretty well. I don't think, I would, I don't think I'm going to bet it 18 to 1. I don't think I'm going to make any of these uh, Super Bowl bets right now with the current odds. But uh, they're another team whose odds kind of stand out to me a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's worth mentioning.
1: All right, so that puts a, let's put a bow on the season. Did I, leave any,
0: did I forget any stats that were on the cutting room floor that we want to mention before we go?
1: Uh, Not particularly. I think we uh, did a pretty good uh, recap of the week. Uh, The other thing I was going to mention with the Jaguars-Colts game, you kind of mentioned it earlier that the Jaguars own the Colts 12-1-1 against the spread against Indianapolis since 2015. So maybe when a team has that, strong of a head-to-head record we should look at it a little bit more where they're getting 14 15 and a half points depending on uh, when you got that line so just one of the bigger ups just a crazy upset for the seat for uh, in week 18 for the jaguars there and a great way to put a bow on the nfl regular season
0: Kenzie, your work is uh awesome thank you i know our listeners certainly appreciate it as well fun regular season now we turn our attention to the playoffs and that's going to do it for this edition of Daily Wager Extra. Thanks to everyone for downloading. Enjoy the national championship game. We obviously have the Daily Wager podcast throughout the work week, Monday through Friday, in and out in less than 10 minutes, and we'll have tons of coverage. Uh, uh, we are off tomorrow of Daily Wager because we have a special Monday edition today at 530 Eastern, in case you are downloading this a little bit from now after we tape. But, um, and then we'll be back to our schedule, and then we have weekend shows because of obviously everything going on with the NFL playoffs on the weekend. So best of luck to everyone, and see you back here throughout the week.